it's usually inhaled like through the nose so people who are exposed to like black mold uh, will have crazy neurological symptoms and this mold can get stuck in your nose and just like you can get dysbiosis in your gut you can get dysbiosis in your nose and so if you have better firing of these neuronal cells because they have better uh, mitochondrial function they can produce better energy then your emotion should overall be better and you could accomplish more you can get your goals done better your sleep should be better everything should be better you, sh you shouldn't have to be crawling out of bed the next day because you're in so much pain body mind empowerment get stronger faster smarter quicker friendlier more helpful more driven everything the body needs control your mind Welcome to the Body Mind Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Seamland, and today we have Jacob Gordon as our guest. He's a biohacker, a coach, and he runs the website mybiohack.com, where he shares cutting-edge science about optimizing yourself. Jack, Jacob, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Sim. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, I definitely love your uh, blog and website. It's full of a ton of valuable information I believe everyone can use so maybe can you tell you. us a little bit about you know what got you into biohacking and how you started your website well my website mybiohack.com was originally created uh, because I had no resources myself but let me go back a little bit and talk about my story and how this all came to uh, came to being a viable product so I grew up in a moldy house, uh, but I was never, never had any problems. Uh, just like normal, just a normal kid, I was, I was very creative uh, until I got a couple of uh, concussions, a TBI. Uh, but that, that knocked off my creativity, but I still held on as a normal kid. And it wasn't until college uh, when I attended film school, naturally, as a creative person. That's what I did. Uh, I always wanted to be a producer, so I just went into film school and sound design and studied that aspect. But I had a whole health breakdown during this time. My health broke down completely, and I went to see tons of top doctors, ones that you'd expect to know everything. I went to doctors in Harvard, at Tufts University, all these major players that all I got was a sleeping pill prescription and a diagnosis with IBS. Uh, which I've heard way too many times with clients and just uh, happening too much around now. Um, so I had to take it upon myself to heal myself. Mm. And I took on the approach that clicked the most with me, which is essentially epigenetics and neuroimmunology. And it took a lot of studying on my part to figure it out. But epigenetics is more of the world of studying how... Uh, the environment turns on and off your genes. So essentially the genes that you're born with aren't, uh, aren't your destiny and you can change how they interact and express mm. uh, what proteins you make in the body. And then also neuroimmunology, how the central nervous system and all the nerves interact with the immune system. And then combining this all together with the trillions of cells that we have and the, the microbiomes all over our body, how they all interact and figuring out puzzling uh, taking that puzzle and putting them all together and essentially uh, working on my body. And I found out later that I had biomarkers for something called chronic inflammatory response syndrome that people also called SIRS. Mm -hmm. And it happens after you've been exposed to a water-damaged building. 
uh, or you can also get it from uh, a tick bite or a, a spider bite from Lyme. Uh, it's usually inhaled, like through the nose. So people who are exposed to like black mold uh, will have crazy neurological symptoms. Uh, and this mold can get stuck in your nose. And just like you can get dysbiosis in your gut, you can get dysbiosis in your nose. Mm. Uh, and if your bacteria and the other uh, micro, uh, microbiota in your nose don't take care of whatever infection's in there, it can constantly wreak havoc uh, on your brain because your, your whole basal ganglia and hypothalamus and everything that controls uh, your hormone production is essentially right behind your nose. Your hippocampus is right there too. So a lot can get, uh, a lot of problems can happen with that. And so I had the uh, biomarkers that showed for chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And this is something that was uh, discovered by a doctor named Richie Shoemaker. Uh, he's the world's expert in chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And it's really caught on uh, recently uh, that other doctors now are taking on this, uh, his protocol to treat it. Um, people like uh, Dr. Bredesen, who's uh, been talking a lot about Alzheimer's and how uh, mold can be related to chronic inflammatory response syndrome. A lot of stuff has been... Uh, but uh, yeah. maybe, maybe we can, you know, touch a bit upon, like, what made you, what made you sick? Like, uh, was there some sort of a trigger? Or Yeah, like... so the... The college dormitory I lived in was uh, was built in the 1800s. Um, so there's uh, like a high possibility of there being uh, water damage to it. Uh, and then on top of that, the house that I uh, grew up in, uh, I would travel back and forth uh, between the college years. Uh, very stressful time for me. That it, there seems to be some... some uh, stress trigger that can really set off uh, the genes that mess you up with SIRS. Mm -hmm. um, so there's people that can be exposed to mold and not have any problem. Uh, and that's based on genetics. Um, people can have an hal a, hal a halotype, a genetic predisposition to not have, or to, to either have or not have, uh, be affected by mold and get SIRS. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Like do, do the genes really play that big of an impact on how you feel in like in in a in a particular environment how do you feel there yeah well essentially the the difference is in a normal immune system you have the innate immune response and the adaptive immune response and normally the innate immune response comes in takes care of whatever it needs to do once your let's say biotoxin comes in it uh, it comes in it the innate immune system does what it needs to do and then if it needs to, it calls an adaptive immune response that clears everything out, and then everything's all okay. But what happens with people that seem to have this uh, genetic problem is that the adaptive immune system goes in, uh, or the innate immune system goes in, brings in the adaptive immune uh, system, and it just doesn't, doesn't turn off. It just mm. keeps going. Uh, so you have this chronic inflammation response, yeah. and it's just a, a syndrome that happens. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 what did you? What specifically did you do to fix yourself? Um. So essentially, since your body can't tag uh, the uh, adaptive immune response, can't really tag the uh, toxins in your body. Like mold builds up in the body. Uh, these biotoxins, it creates these byproducts 
that create a lot of uh, uh, oxidative stress, reactive oxygen species uh, that builds up in the body. Uh, and your body needs to excrete the, 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 the underlying problem, which is mold that's been building up, the biotoxins, mycotoxins is what uh, we like to call it, mm -hmm. uh, that build up in the body. So things like cholestyramine uh, that binds to bile. Uh, so it gets excreted through bile, it binds up to it. Uh, there's, uh, cholestyramine is actually used uh, by the military for uh, certain poisonings. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's strong stuff. Um, and so once you excrete that, uh, well, let me go take a step back to know what, um, how bad off you are. You do something called the visual contrast test, uh, which is essentially, you can do it on your computer. I think it's vcstest.com. Uh, and it, it tests based on the amount of, uh, uh, how well you can see contrast, uh, maybe a good predictor in about like 80% of cases for how much how much uh, toxic load you have in your body. So it so affects, affects your visual, visuals and uh, senses. It does affect your visual and senses. A whole neurological. People have like crazy like random spasms, like almost like Parkinson's disease, ataxia, and, and weird things like that. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, so once you, you bind it and get it out, then you really want to go into uh, fixing, like, if you have something called Marcons, um, it's, it's a type of staph that gets stuck in the, the nose, but it's resistant to uh, antibiotics. So you have to use, like, colloidal silver to, make, uh, to get rid of the, uh, the resistance it has, along with uh, EDTA, gentamicin, a few other things. Uh, so if you have that in your nose, you got to get rid of that. I didn't have that, um, so I didn't need to work with that. Uh, but it's good in general just to have uh, get uh, treat all dysbiosis of the nose. Uh, and if you have uh, problems with gluten, you just you've got to completely cut out gluten. A lot of people will have these uh, anti-gliadin antibodies um, that you've got to that you've got to essentially uh, quench. Mm. And well, after that is uh, what I had to do. Oh, what was that? What was what? I was uh, about to ask, like, what are some maybe potential sources of mold or, you know, these allergens in the household that people may be wary of? Yeah, so actually a really good test to tell if you have mold uh, is called the Hurts Me Too or the Ermi. Um, it's essentially the Swiffer. Uh, you, you get as much dust as you can over, like, three weeks. Uh and then you submit it to a lab, and they'll give you analysis of uh, how much uh, mold, if it's toxic or not, mm. uh, in your house. And like sources you'd find from like leaks. So like if you like had a uh, a flood, which is what I had at our house, uh, the whole basement was flooded, and the first floor became flooded. Uh, and we remediated it to an extent, but not good enough, uh, of mm. course. So what? you can look for are like leaks under the sink, like leaks from it, it uh, after a, a storm. Uh, because not getting uh, direct mold can be seen, which is easy sometimes. But they also leave these byproducts called uh, mycotoxins, which also cause problems as well that turn on certain genes. Uh, aspergillus is one of the most studied ones uh, that we know how it works in the body, especially with the detox, in, uh, uh, detox pathways and uh, cancer. 
Uh, do, do they like uh, spreads across the air as well? For instance, if, if yeah, yeah. So, so they can they, they can attach and get everywhere. Um, oh, yeah. uh, there, there's some air cleaners. Uh, you can use HEPA filters, or you can use like ozone generators. Uh, there's a, there's a few other things like uh, high tech air has their own thing. Uh, there's 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 tons of air cleaners that you can use. Um, and if you don't react to that, I reacted to the air cleaners. Uh, the specific ones because ones that create um, there's ones that create uh, hydroxy radicals that will essentially clean the air by oxidizing the air so like uh, scrubbing the air essentially but for some like me it just it gave me uh, like chest pain because I was breathing in the, the oxidative stress yeah so it's it, it's all individual uh, based on how you feel from it hmm. so other like any yeah. Are there like any genetic tests or, or, or you know, blood tests to see if they yeah, uh, if they if have this? If you're in the if you're in the U.S., there's a simple test you can get done with insurance, uh, HLA DRDQ, uh, and it will it will tell you if you have a problem uh, with tagging, um, tagging these biotoxins. Mm. Uh, that that's the best one to test for, or at least the most studied one. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, also like the best thing about these epigenetics and these genetic markers is that, that having certain genes doesn't mean that they have to get expressed. So, so what would be like, uh, what what determines the activation of these genes, and what can do someone, what can someone do to prevent them from from happening? Well, first of all, don't expose yourself to anywhere that's bad. Um, and this isn't just mold that can set off these inflammatory markers. Uh, other things can set it off too, like getting multiple concussions uh, seems to do that. At least in my own research, it seems to do the same thing. What, because you've what got caused, like what caused you a concussion, or uh, so a few different things have caused it. Uh, I've gotten in a uh, motorbike accident, uh, just messing around with my friends, uh, just fell off one and hit my head, uh, and also uh, slipping off of a. Uh, it was a rainy boat. It was raining, and I was coming off a boat headfirst onto a concrete dock. That does it too. Uh, so they set off essentially these genes that create an inflammatory response. But the inflammatory response seems to be good in the short term, but not in the long term. Oh. Uh, but it also sets off a bunch of good genes that increase uh, neurotrophic factors in the brain, um, like BDNF. Uh, I know you've talked about that on your podcast before. So, so it like uh, actually facilitates, you know, protection of the brain if you have a small concussion or something. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's interesting. But the the biggest problem seems to be uh, hypoxia in the brain and loss of blood flow and oxygen. Yeah, I, if, I, if, if you have those. And it's especially if you if you're doing some sort of a contact sport or or something like that, or if you're a swimmer or something, then you should have to maybe get checked up to see if you <clears> suffer some so, some sort of a you know inflammation in the brain oh yeah you can have a major disalignment of the two hemispheres from uh sports especially like football like american football <laughs> or like rugby or something like where it's like really head contact sports yeah yeah i mean you know like fight boxers and fighters they're gonna they're usually they lose their cognitive abilities quite soon <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely yeah takeaways if you do sports protect your head <laughs> Especially, yeah. So, what what kind of a diet uh, did you follow to cure yourself? Um, the one that they recommend 
is a uh, no amylose diet or a low amylose diet. So, uh, so essentially cutting out it, it essentially cuts out all grains. But I, I just naturally cut out corn. Just, I don't do well on grains, so I naturally follow like a lower lectin diet. Uh, things like no gluten, uh, like no dairy, uh, things that just create an inflammatory response. Uh, when you look at people with these kind of biomarkers, it's usually your immune system balances in a few different ways, uh, and in this inflammatory way, uh, cutting out most inflammatory foods seems to have like a better uh, ability of balancing out the immune system. So that, that's that's probably the best take to do, uh, action to do on it. Um, but what they recommend, part of Shoemaker's protocol is just no amylose diet. Um, so you can still eat like, uh, like cruciferous vegetables, just removing like fruits in general. Is well, the biggest fruits, uh, fruits, fruits and grains. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, well, uh, grains are uh, derivatives of fruits. Hmm. What I did specifically myself, I mean, I've incorporated uh, ketogenic aspects into it, or at least very low-carb aspects into it, um, just to increase ketone bodies and uh, regenerate parts of uh, my brain, uh, specifically the hippocampus, and if I can, uh, like areas of the basal ganglia, uh, there's a test that you can do that I recommend you do and anyone else on this podcast do called uh, a, neuro, a neuroquant. Mm. And essentially it looks at the two different hemispheres and compares them based on their size uh, and their relative blood flow and inflammation. Um, so they give this to people naturally who've had stroke, uh, ha have had a stroke, and to see where the blood flow is and what's going on in the brain. But you can also do it with the people with these SIRS uh, patients or people just with uh, neurocognitive disorders in, in general. If you have decreased cognition, it's probably a good idea to, to get a neuroquant. Um, and for me, it showed that I had a shrunken putamen and caudet uh, and also like uh, loss of gray matter throughout, like, the, throughout my brain. Wow. Um, and other place, places that were inflamed, like enlarged, you can see it clearly on the scan. So the, uh, with parts in the basal ganglia that were lowered, you can definitely tell that uh, there's a decreased response for dopamine, which when you study dopamine, dopamine seems to be more than just this neurotransmitter. It seems to be like this immunomodulator uh, in general that controls the immune system, uh, can either create this anti-inflammatory response or a pro-inflammatory response, depending on which receptors it acts on. Mm. So uh, having it uh, having a loss in the basal ganglia seems to be uh, pre pretty detrimental to overall health. Mm. Um, yeah, and, what, and you what, see people what, with... Where can people do this kind of a test? Uh, so people who have destruction that kind of of their area of the brain, or just in general, like 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 the test you mentioned of that measures the different hemispheres of the brain. So uh, we've uh, you can actually use something called a vasoactive intestinal polypeptide, uh, which is a, a hormone and peptide that you naturally uh, secrete in the hypothalamus and the gut. Uh, and it controls the gut-brain access and like bowel movements and things like that. But it's also a uh, uh, growth factor. So if you take that and you squirt it up your nose, if you take it kind of like uh, some people have taken insulin and squirted up their nose acts as a growth factor, um, you can take that and squirt it up your nose. And it has neurotrophic effects, brain growth effects, uh, 
on those parts of the brain and gray matter. It seems to have this overall uh, anti-inflammatory beneficial effect uh, for most patients. Well, yeah, it, <laughs> definitely a ton of information there. Like, uh, but uh, how did you exercise during that time? Like, is, can, ex so it, can, can exercise make it worse or can it improve? Exercise can clearly, definitely, definitely make it worse because uh, you've got uh, what we see is one of the biomarkers in people with Lyme or uh, SIRS is uh, high levels of uh, complement factors, activation of complement factors like C3A and C4A. And so if, and that, that controls like coagulation of the blood and hyperfusion. Uh, and if you uh, are exercising too much, uh, it can cause... Uh, it can cause more problems with these high inflammatory markers activating the immune system more. So you have to take it uh, low amounts. So what I did myself is like short bursts of anaerobic exercise from like 10 to 15 to 20 minutes, like no more than that, uh, a couple times, three or four times per week. Um, and I like to call it high-intensity strength training, uh, HIST. There's HIT out there, and there's uh, resistance training out there, but not HIST. Uh, and what's cool about it is if you look in the literature, not only does this help with uh, just overall mitochondria and things like that and BDNF, it stimulates this. Uh, I know you'll have a post on this soon. I'm excited to see it. Uh, I've got it on my website too, but it's called ericin. It's this exercise hormone that stimulates the, the browning of fat, so the increasing of mitochondria and the, uh, the uh, ability to create more neurotrophic factors. Uh, so it's this very powerful hormone, and you only need little bursts of it. Uh, so you can do like cold thermogenesis, like little bursts of uh, oxidative stress to stimulate this this hormone. Uh, so it's so like more more like the you, in, have, in, intensities, oh, in, the intensity aspect is like more important when it comes to like triggering uh, mitochondrial and such. Yeah, it's 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 the sm small burst of uh, intensity. Mm -hmm. um, you don't need tons and tons of it. Uh, it doesn't seem to trigger more of this hormone. It just which one would is it similar to like uh, Doug McCuff's Body by Science or something like that? Uh, I'm not sure of who that is. Oh, okay. Well, the yeah. it's it's a bo book where you know he prescribes this exercise routine where you work out for only about 20 minutes per week or something like that, but the exercise is like full-on failure, or, you know, muscular failure with these kinds of uh, isolation exercises and uh, such, but uh, yeah. Oh, so you don't, you don't need to get to failure. The research seems to be pointing more towards uh, that you don't need failure to gain muscle, um, and failure may actually be worse for you uh, overall. Yeah. Uh, not that failure is bad, um, but you don't need to get to failure. Uh, and what I've seen is that if you can get to the point where you feel awesome at the end of it mm. and not worse, then you're doing it right. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I like to also say that you should leave something in the tank, uh, you know, a few. Yeah. <laughs> you should leave the gym energized, more energized than you were before. Exactly, yeah. You, sh you shouldn't have to be crawling out of bed the next day because you're in so much pain. So, so like in your example, like did you get more motivation and enthusiasm out of working out, or did it make you feel like uh, more tired? Uh, at first, it made me more tired. I had, I had to figure out the the right way to do it, um, and it's also kind of based on this this uh, theory called hormesis, uh, which is just giving your body like a little bit 
so I can adapt uh, a lot stronger for it the next time. So like the first couple times that I did exercise being in this uh, sick or condition, uh, I had to let my body uh, allow a little bit more time for it to heal because you have C4A, which needs to, needs to lower first. You have uh, other inflammatory markers like TGF-beta, which plays a big role in uh, the healing process, the healing process of tissue. And if that's high, then it, it inhibits, it's going to inhibit or at least slow down this process of your body being able to heal itself naturally. Mm, yeah, it's true. Like, uh, yeah. at first, it's going to be more difficult or it's going to be slightly difficult if you haven't done something, if you haven't like exercised at all or something like that. And people, sometimes people feel exhausted or they feel depressed just because they're not moving their body and they're not exercising and their mitochondria have become sluggish in, in a sense. Working hard or hardly working? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you just got to treat those mitochondria. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was about to like, ask, like, what's the, what's the role of mitochondria in this? How can the mitochondria affect how a person feels during the day? Uh, well, with like mold mood. specifically, it seems... Oh, a mitochondria in general, or...? Uh, let's say, like, uh, uh, how, how energized they feel, or how, what kind of a mood they're in during the day. Uh, well, if you have low mitochondrial function, you're just going to feel crappy overall, so your mood's going to be down. And we know that the more energy you have, the better your mood can be. I say can. It depends where you channel it. <laughs> uh, but it's, it seems that having better mi over mi overall mitochondrial function means that you have better neurotransmitter production. Uh, and I like to take on the theory that your emotions are controlled by how uh, receptors are activated, uh, especially in neurotransmitter uh, receptors are activated. Um, the person who discovered the uh, how uh, and oh, discovered opioid receptors. Uh, this was actually her theory um, that emotion is just uh, neurotransmitters being fired in the brain. Mm. And so if you have better firing of these neuronal cells because they have better uh, mitochondrial function, they can produce better energy, then your emotion should overall be better. And you could accomplish more. You can get your goals done better. Your sleep should be better. Everything should be better. Uh, but there are exceptions to it um, because we're not just mitochondria. We're also uh, the microbiome that surrounds us. We're also our environment and uh, how that turns on our genes. Uh, sure, but right. my, having the basis of mitochondria working well uh, is a great fundamental to being healthy. To <laughs> Definitely a great place to start. So, so what kind of biohacks do you do to keep your mitochondria running optimally? Uh, to keep my mitochondria working optimally. Uh, so a few things is, uh, is cold thermogenesis and uh, increasing blood flow. So allowing oxygen to get through the body. Now there's two things that I really like to do. Most people like to focus on taking cold showers, which I do do. Uh, but I also like to do increasing uh, also hot showers um, before the cold showers. Mm. So have you ever been in a shower... Uh, when it's hot and had a like surge in just like daydreaming or more thoughts, um, just have you've heard of the term shower thoughts? <laughs> well, I haven't. I usually don't spend that much time under the shower. Like uh, <laughs> I, I usually get, to get it over with, <laughs> get it done with, and get out of there. But uh, yeah. Well, 
Incre increasing heat seems to play a role on nitric oxide that allows for more blood flow to the brain, so you, so you get more oxygen to the, the, the tissues. Mm. Um, and then at the end, you can do your, your cold splurge of uh, freezing cold uh, water um, to enhance mitochondria. So you can, you can increase oxygenation to the tissue, and you can... Uh, create a hormetic effect on the mitochondria. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I, used to, I used to do like only cold showers, but then I switched over to this contrast showers as well because it also like stimulates the limb system and uh, it's more enjoyable at the same time as well. <laughs> yeah, you get a little bit more pleasure out of that. And I think like well, it, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not going to, you know, overshoot cortisol either. It's going to help you to have a healthier shower in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's one way is with uh, cold thermogenesis. Um, another way is uh, by increasing uh, ketone bodies naturally, um, and that's through low carb diet, uh, allowing your body to go through uh, produce its own ketones and uh, doing things like intermittent fasting allow your body to go through autophagy and mitophagy. Uh, which allows your your cells to essentially uh, eat up uh, its parts and recycle it and use it for new parts. Um, so imagine having a leased car that's starting to break down. You wouldn't just try to really fix it up. You could just bring it back to the shop, get a new car, uh, and drive off with that uh, instead of trying to take care of it. So your cells run more effectively. Uh, and if you replenish your mitochondria, then that's awesome as well. Uh, there's other things you can do that are hormetic stressors for that I like to do as well. Uh, things that are hormetic stressors. Uh, so again, as I said, like a little bit of a, a stress uh, creates this amplified response to uh, create uh, better and stronger mitochondrion cells. So there's this transcription factor that you can uh, work on called NERF2. Uh, it controls the way that uh, antioxidant response elements are produced in the cell. So essentially, uh, an example is reactive oxygen species. So any stressor uh, damages this bond that NERF2 has with uh, uh, another protein called KEEP1. And when NERF2 goes into the, the nucleus and transcribes genes, epigenetics there, uh, then you get all these uh, antioxidants that are upregulated like glutathione uh, and other pathways that are beneficial for mitochondria overall and beneficial for your health overall. And the one caveat for it is uh, seems to be cancer. That's essentially what we call either longevity or cancer. <laughs> so... So, so there's, there's a, a balance there as well. And what I like to take for it are things like broccoli sprouts, uh, dianilylmethane, which is uh, a uh, derivative of uh, broccoli sprouts, a uh, byproduct of broccoli sprouts. Um, but to do it naturally, you can go uh, exercise things. I, I have a whole post on Nerf2 that lists uh, a couple hundred different ways to, to activate it. Mm. So uh, getting the mold issues uh, fixed first and the SERS issues fixed first uh, seems to be really where you need to go uh, before really trying to uh, activating uh, Nerf 2 to enhance mitochondria. 
have you heard like uh, about like we, we, we mentioned hormesis and uh, antioxidants and oxidative stress but uh, have you heard that uh, too much antioxidant supplementation can actually negate the beneficial effects of hormesis or you know it can lead to your body's your your body won't become uh, as adaptable to hormesis you know it can blunt off the beneficial hormetic effect have you heard about something like that that's that's true in theory and it seems to be dependable on which tissue you're talking about because there's some supplements that you can take that just won't reach tissue in general oh, okay. <laughs> and and uh so it's 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 dependent, and it's also dependent on how bioavailable that uh, antioxidant is into the cell. Uh, for example, N-acetylcysteine uh, can get into some tissue, but it depends if it's uh, if it if it's a uh, it's active form uh, of of just cysteine or it's bound to an acetyl group. Uh, so it's 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 really dependable, uh, but. It seems to be overall, you look at like uh, longevity diets um, that incorporate lots of polyphenols in it. Uh, seems like the best way to uh, do these hormetic effects are with uh, high polyphenol diets like Mediterranean diets. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So maybe we can now swap over to this, uh, the, other, the other thing that you were uh, learning much about, which is uh, quite of a mouthful, which is a Psychoneuroendocrinology, immunology. So, what is it? What can you oh, talk man. about? Like, what's it? What is about? And yeah. What did you learn about it? So, psychoneuro, uh, psychoendoneuroimmunology uh, is essentially the way that the brain, uh, the endocrine system, so the hormones, uh, uh, immune system, uh, and everything like works together. So, like you can also uh, how that affects your emotions. So. The theory behind it is you're, you can use all these different aspects to control um, the other part uh, of the body. So, for example, uh, your hormones are, affect your emotions. Your emotions can also affect your immune system. Your immune system can also affect your brain, uh, just like it's all interconnected. And so you can't uh, just think of it as a single thing. Uh, as some people will just say, like, oh, your attitude needs to be fixed, uh, and that should fix your body. Uh, <laughs> when you have to look at it as a multi-communication uh, way, uh, a good example of this is actually the, uh, how the brain and the gut interact uh, and how the microbiome influences it. So you have this, it's actually a four-way axis, or at least of what we know now, it's a four-way axis of the brain, the gut, the microbiome, and the immune system around the rest of the body and how they all communicate with each other. And they seem to have to communicate in harmony uh, to produce neurotransmitters for the brain to work. And uh, they communicate via the vagus nerve that uh, controls the whole sympathetic and parasympathetic system. Uh, and then you've got the immune system, which controls, uh, or the microbiome, which is controlling the immune system on what to react to uh, when you eat foods. Um, and so dysbiosis or other dysregulations, like uh, people who have a depletion of dopamine, let's say in Parkinson's, or uh, people with problems with their vagus nerve, seem to have a whole disconnect between these four parts of the body. Um, and that can mess up everything uh, from hormones to um, you process things. Mm. 
Mm. So, so like, uh, is yeah. it true that the negative thoughts and emotions can uh, literally make you more prone to sickness? That's true. Yeah, uh, that seems to be more towards uh, like cortisol, uh, active cortisol, and uh, CNR one, and uh, that's that's definitely true that that bad thoughts can can hurt you as <laughs> yeah. as well as good thoughts can help you. Just yeah. So uh, so so how do you like escape this sort of a vicious cycle when where you're stuck in uh, you know bad thoughts and uh, stuck in overthinking? Should should you begin with treating the body to make yourself feel better, or should you start working on the psychology first? Uh, it's always good to work on the psychology. Um, the psychology is always going to control things more, uh, I believe, because that's just the way the human brain seems to want to take over and use up all the energy it can. Um, so, and, and there's temporary patches for the rest of everything else. So if you're working on the brain first, uh, you can seem to override a lot of these other systems. Uh, but, I mean, there's, there's always caveats for it. Uh, but starting off with the brain and healing the brain seems to be the best way. So I think that trying like, to increase... like changing your perspective on things can literally, you know, alter the physiological state of your body. So it's like it's over, it overrides everything. Yeah, if you could just do this, if if you take anything from this this podcast today, if there's one thing that you could do, it's change the way that you ask your internal questions uh, instead of asking like. Uh, why did this happen to me? Ask yourself, like, why did this happen for me? And that just changed your whole perspective yeah. on Massive. that. Maybe this is beneficial for you instead. Hmm. Uh, it's just, it's just, just tweaking little things. It's not, it's not even huge lifestyle changes. You can do meditation and and prayer and things like that. But uh, just, just changing little aspects of your life and how you think can really change the way uh, that you feel in general. That's true. Yeah. Would you yeah. be, would you be taking like any supplements to uh, to break that kind of a uh, ro emotional roller coaster or to get your brain in check again? Uh, if you want to balance out your emotions, uh, theanine seems to be a pretty uh, common amino acid that people use, uh, especially in the nootropic field. And uh, people who are drinking green tea and black tea are already getting it in their their diet. Uh, but it seems to to really balance out uh, like an OCD kind of emotion or uh, uh, hyper-stimulated kind of emotion as well. Yeah, um, and if you're lost for emotions and a little bit anhedonic, uh, caffeine may help uh, increase dopamine. Mm -hmm. Do do like circadian rhythms pay, affect this affect this as well? Like sunlight. Your circadian rhythm plays a big role in everything. And if you could see right now, I've uh, it's morning time for me, but I've got a bright light device right here. Uh, and during the winter months, there's less light, uh, and that can affect. I, it looks like you have a bright light going on as well. Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, low light uh, during the daytime and a lot of light at nighttime can uh, take a big effect. Since we're talking about cognition and emotion, uh, it can take a big effect on those two uh, and mess up sleep itself. Mm. So. If you can, I know where you are, uh, it's a little cold out, uh, and you don't get as much sunlight as I do uh, here in Florida, uh, yeah, <laughs> but so, yeah. getting as much sunlight as you can 
uh, is beneficial for that, uh, controlling circadian rhythms, and then wearing uh, glasses that block out blue light at night and covering up your skin. Uh, your skin and the fat underneath it actually have these sensors that can identify when blue light is and can tell your your brain uh, that it's it's daylight out. So if you're up at night without a shirt on and a bunch of fluorescent lights or your computer lights against your skin, your body may signal to your brain, hey, uh, it's time to be awake, or signal to the rest of your, your fat tissues, like, hey, it's time to feed. Uh, let's get a little bit hungry, or let's let's get, let's, uh, let's get fatter. <laughs> let's get a little fatter, yeah. <laughs> but but to, to like, uh, will it sup Will uh, blue light on top of your skin suppress melatonin, or? Um, it doesn't. I, I I haven't seen studies to to show that. It may be true that it does uh, through the eyes, uh, oh. where that problem. Uh, because your eye can produce, I mean, tons of hormones, but. Two of the major hormones is melatonin and vitamin D, and they seem to be inversely correlated with UV rays uh, helping produce vitamin D uh, and regenerating melanopsin in your eye, and then uh, that in turn has a inverse correlation with the amount of melatonin that you produce uh, in your eye. But melatonin is another totally different hormone that has a variety of effects like vitamin D, a variety of effects everywhere on the body. Uh, other than just sleep, it's a major antioxidant that seems to control the gut and uh, muscle growth and uh, just a ton That's of crazy, different yeah. things. It seems that every day there's a new study on what melatonin can do. Yeah, it also like yeah. more and more evidence, like you mentioned before, that like how all the system is connected with each other and different parts interact and that they're all like influencing each other. It's wild. Uh, yeah, it's indeed. But what, what the more I learn about the body, the, the more you know. Uh, we know nothing. <laughs> what kind of activities or tactics are you doing uh, now to prevent that kind of an illness in the future again? Um, so essentially, uh, where wherever I move to, um, I've been testing with the Hurts Me and the Ermi test, uh, just the dust that's been around there, um, to see if there is any mold uh, or any biotoxins left. Uh, and also just using my nose. If my nose is sensitive to something... I know I have to stay away from that area. Mm. Uh, it seems I've gained this uh, another sense, a new superpower to identify <laughs> if something is wrong <laughs> within the room. Uh, so the first thing is staying away from uh, potential other exposures, uh, re-exposures, because it's probably something that's, that I'll have to do for the rest of my life. Um, even though I can build up a better tolerance against it, uh, I just can't live somewhere that's that's toxic. Mm. So it's like a permanent damage to your to your immune system, in a sense. Or yeah, it's just it's it knows it knows that there's something's wrong, so it will create this inflammatory response. The point of VIP and and reducing all the the biomarkers uh, definitely helps that. Like I can go into that that place for like a couple days and be fine, but if I'm living there, then. Uh, it will just start to set me back, and if I have like an emotional response, then uh, mm. or some stress response, uh, more specifically, then it could send me back, tip me back over the edge, and that seems to be uh, problematic with all SIRS patients. Mm. Like you're, and you're... and then other things I do to to protect myself, um, just in general, is keeping the in, uh, keeping the circadian rhythm down, uh, keeping to a healthy diet 
which uh, for me is usually cuts out uh, inflammatory lectins. Uh, and sometimes I'll go on a low-carb diet just, just to cycle through it um, to make sure my blood sugar stays uh, at normal levels, insulin stays at normal levels. Uh, and just uh, fasting and intermittent fasting, which helps with autophagy. Um, so I'm, I'm just keeping to that. And that, that all seems to, all that combined uh, from a lifestyle perspective, uh, is what I'm using to prevent most of uh, the problems from coming back up. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, you lost some uh, gray matter in your brain during that time. Mm -hmm. like, ha have you maybe have you scanned or have you noticed that you have maybe you've grown back, grown back some of you know, the gray matter? You know, I need to do a rescan. Uh, I haven't done a a new scan for it, but uh, I know VIP helps with it, um, and just reducing overall oxidative stress in the brain seems to help with it too. Mm. Um, learning every day. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly studying and writing yeah. blog posts uh, as, and trying to learn new topics, which is allowing my brain to have neuroplasticity and growing all these uh, new neurons. And that's, that seems to be great for uh, people with diminished gray matter. Yeah, it's true. Like, uh, you wouldn't, I wouldn't tell that uh, you had some sort of a brain damage or something like that because man your your blog posts and those are very and the and the information that you shared here with here with us as well is like cutting edge like you said so yeah it's it's quite oh, amazing you. that you can you know despite despite these kind of difficulties you can still you know regain the uh you know yeah for anyone there that that feels hopeless on what's going on i've had uh, three tbis and uh, mold in my brain, essentially a mold response in my brain. Uh, there's there's hope to feel better. <laughs> That's crazy, yeah. Do, yeah. Uh, do you think like um, this kind of an experience made you a better or a worse person? Clearly, a better person. Um, when I was at my worst times, I was to the to the uh, for the most ability that I had for my brain at the time. I read every single book I could read, I could find. Uh, I just kept reading and kept reading, and I think it made me a better person. And now I've just created this whole resource that I use with doctors and scientists and other uh, bloggers to enhance their enhance their knowledge on what's what the science is for health is. And it's just if I didn't have this challenge to myself, I would still be in Hollywood, uh, making movies and and uh, music. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like that's that's your other side project as well, like uh, creating music and uh, movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to do uh, uh, in my past. I used to make a lot of music, uh, work with videos, like features and uh, music videos. And man, that was fun. Uh, I I hope to get back into that someday. I, I've been doing it a little bit on the side, uh, but I just have such a big passion for what I'm doing right now that. Uh, it's just there's not enough time in the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, what does your maybe daily biohacking routine look like? Uh, fasting till noon. Uh, so I get a 16-hour window there. Uh, and so eating without it, within the uh, window, depending on uh, what I'm doing. Uh, I'll drink uh, coffee, but I've developed a, another kind of coffee blend that I think uh, seems to be way more effective than just black coffee or uh, other people like bulletproof coffee, uh, which is essentially 
it's black coffee with sun theanine and taurine, essentially, is the basics. Uh, and you, you can throw in other things if you want. If you like bulletproof coffee, you can throw in uh, caprylic acid and butter if you're into that. Uh, so what, what's the, what's the taurine effect? seems to... First of all, theanine seems to balance out the high stimulatory feeling, like the jitters and all that stuff that you'd get from caffeine. Uh, and taurine seems to have a uh, significant uh, effect on increasing the wakefulness-promoting aspects of caffeine. So you'll see in like energy drinks, they'll put some taurine in it, uh, and that boosts that. But what's weird about taurine is that uh, too much will actually make you feel uh, tired. <laughs> so it'll have like a relaxing, sedating effect uh, instead where a little bit will have a stimulatory effect. So I'll drink, I, I call it super coffee. So it's something I'll drink uh, in the morning. I've got it here. I, this is the brand that I use. It's called uh, Chameleon Coffee. I'm not affiliated with them in any way. Just, it's the one that I found to be the least uh, immunostimulating. Mm, sounds interesting, yeah. I, I, have you yeah. experimented with something like like some of these uh, chaga mushrooms or lion's mane or ashwagandha? Uh, yeah. I, I've, I do well with uh, Lion's Mane. I'll put that in smoothies, uh, uh, just the, the pure powder from it. Um, and I'll also mega dose with it. Uh, one thing I really like to do is take that with raw chocolate, uh, heat it up together, um, and take it, and then go on a just like a light aerobic exercise, something like riding a bike. Uh, and I seem to get a very pronounced... Um, like psychedelic almost in a way, uh, response from it, where colors are brighter and thing, uh, just a better, it's like an antidepressant kind of feeling. Uh, but it only seems to happen when I increase blood flow, uh, use chocolate and lion's mane. So that's a nice little biohack there. Yeah. Uh, another little biohack I like to do um, that seems to be gaining popularity now is uh, taking a cold pack. Um, so as we're talking about cold thermogenesis for the body, it seems to uh, have overall health benefits. But you can also take a cold pack, uh, and this is for men only. Put them on your uh, crotch area <laughs> there. It seems to create a stimulatory effect. Um, you need to make sure that you don't do it too long because that can be damaging, of course. Uh, but it seems to have a positive effect on testosterone levels and cognition in general. So there's a community right now that uh, is is uh, <laughs> really gaining popularity, and uh, it's fun. If you want to learn more about it, I, I have a post on it, um, of course. Okay. But uh, it's 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 a it's a it's just a fun, neat way for guys to uh, increase their libido and cognition. Peter got hit in the crotch with a bag of nickels. Ow! I, I, I found it by accident. Uh, I, uh, was cooking, um, naked and, uh, sp spilled some oil, uh, near the area, not, uh, not on it, not on anything, but near the area. So I was using cold to cool it down. Mm. I was using cold pack and I noticed, wow, uh, I have a lot more energy right now wow. <laughs> <laughs> trying to cool this down. So, are, are there any other you know biohacks you do or? Um, yeah, I like to uh, laser my brain. I have uh, something called a vetro laser, uh, which uh, is made for vets to use on animals. But it's a it's a low level laser, uh, a class three laser, um, that I essentially put on my head. If you see the sides of my head here, uh, they're shaved. Um, where the top's kind of grown out. 
uh, but I, I, I'll laser the, the sides of my head um, and the back of my head um, to increase over mitochondrial um, performance in my brain. Wow. Uh, we, it's shown that the laser can get uh, at least around, I think it's around 800 nanometers. Uh, the laser can get uh, around one and a half inches, I believe is the number. Uh, don't quote me on that, but that's that's how far the laser can get down. So it can touch some of the, the brain cells. Mm. Um, and uh, Dr. Michael Hamblin has a lot of research on this. Wow. Will, will like a red light, red UV light have some sort of similar effect or... Well, UV light doesn't get too far, uh, but a red red light uh, may just be superficial, um, depending on its wavelength. So if it's around uh, 600 uh, nanometers, that's going to be uh, more superficial. And it's not until like the high 700s uh, to the uh, low 1,000 00s uh, that uh, it can penetrate a little bit deeper. But red light itself has great benefits it's itself on reju rejuvenating skin uh, and like teeth working on dentin and things like that. Yeah. 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 Crazy, crazy, yeah. Man, the, the, the sun honestly seems to have uh, everything that you need to, to be healthy, though. <laughs> Although, yeah, yeah, <laughs> get all those baselines there. Yeah, just get outside. Man, Jacob, <laughs> just go outside. Yeah, we, I feel like we could talk about these kinds of things for, you know, hours upon end. But uh, we, we, start, <laughs> we should yeah, start to wrap up the show as well. Like, um, what can you tell us a little bit about uh, what what you're trying to do with your website and uh, where, where what's the future of it? So the website right now, it, we're building it into a, a larger database uh, that doctors and scientists can use, um, so they can help their patients and be up to date on what uh, they can use for their clients. Because um, there's so much information out there, doctors right now don't have. Uh, the chance to read through all the literature. Um, they just have clients and and can't uh, can't find the time or aren't necessarily motivated to do it. Uh, so this this is uh, one main factor for the website. Uh, but there's also uh, it makes it e we make it easy for consumers as well, uh, people who are sick, uh, so they can help themselves as well. So it's a multifactorial uh, website for everyone to have these uh, these uh, resources, essentially, which I was deprived of, these resources that they can use to heal themselves. Mm -hmm. Do you have like? A, so do you already have like maybe products or some sort of? No, uh, right now I'm developing a couple. Right now, uh, a few books and a few courses uh, that will be out soon, uh, and then uh, an app uh, that will be out in the future. Mm -hmm. But uh, so far, right now, uh, we've got. Uh, mostly everything focused into the blog posts, uh, and in the meantime, uh, if you join our join the mailing list that I have, uh, you'll you'll be uh, first to get a discount on the book. So, hmm. yeah, uh, looking forward to that. But uh, what yeah. I'm gonna ask you maybe like one of my last questions as well, which would be like, what would be this kind of a habit or a tactic or a biohack or whatever that uh, you wish you had adopted sooner that would improve your body and mind? Uh, I wish I adopted this sooner was uh, something that I learned from Tony Robbins, and it's using your physiology to change the way your body feels. Mm. And so doing things like big expressions with your body can change the way your uh, whole body perceives itself and your mind perceives itself. So you can actually enhance your own like way of feeling confident by just like spreading out your arms. This is based on a, a study that Amy Cuddy did. Uh, 
and just like power poses can do that. Or if you're like large and expressive and talking out loud and using hand gestures, it will reinforce the way that you feel and the way that your confidence puts out. Uh, if I had, if I knew this knowledge at the beginning, uh, that would have really helped. And that's just a very simple biohack. It doesn't require anything that you that isn't free. <laughs> that's that's true. Like yeah, these kinds of holding yourself in your body, it's going to affect. The yeah, way you perceive it's the, the world physical world. actions, though. Yeah, and also it's, it's I, really I, yeah. I recall this kind of a study or experiment where people were put, you know, pencils between their mouth, and they were forced to smile. And when they were shown these kinds of pictures or these uh, slideshows, then they didn't recognize sad pictures. They, like they only were able to recognize the happy <laughs> ones because just because their physiology was stating that they were smiling and they're happy, so it literally blocks out some of the other you know emotions. It, it, yeah, it's it's, it's wild. Crazy. We're just we're programmed to feel that way. When you smile, <laughs> you should be feeling happy. It's it's hard to to feel sad when you have a big grin on your face. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, thanks. Well, Jacob, thanks for coming on this show. Like and like I said, my earlier, pleasure. It awesome was like, on here. it wouldn't be, I, you wouldn't you wouldn't tell that you suffered some sort of a brain damage or something, man. You're on point with your with your knowledge and your blog as well. So thanks, <laughs> definitely. Thanks for coming on, and would de I'm looking forward to your you know future Thank you. books and uh, such. Th thanks for coming. All right, cool. If you want to find anything more that I talked about, mybiohack.com is the place to go. Yeah, exactly. And you also have like YouTube channels as a, as well, I believe. I, yeah, I do have a YouTube channel. That's right. Uh, the YouTube channel covers more of the mindset as well. Um, mm. so okay, yeah, we'll leave, all that. we'll leave all the links in the show notes. But yeah, all right, man. Thank you. Thanks. Cheer. What I found to be very useful for me uh, is just learning the mechanism behind it all and like what's actually going on. And that way, I can like when I am talking to a doctor and they're like, no, "I don't agree with you." I was like, "Well, these like." 10 textbooks disagree with you. Right, that's it for this episode. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes and other social media platforms. And other than that, subscribe, click the like, notification bell as well. Like always, thanks for watching. My name is Seem. Stay optimal, stay empowered.